Good morning, Spring Branch. Good to see you all today. We are in the middle of our Fruit of the Spirit series. It's been a fun ride. Hope you've enjoyed it. Let's go ahead and jump in and read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is our anchor passage uh, for these few weeks together. Paul says to the church in Galatia, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Everybody say faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Today we're talking about faithfulness. Faithfulness. Just want to take a moment to recognize maybe uh, some faithfulness in this room. If you have been attending this church, Spring Branch, and by the way, Michael and Gail sat in their kitchen uh, 26 years ago and had a dream, and they were faithful, and just imagine all the lives that have changed as a result of their faithfulness. And there are many of you who have... uh, who've sunk your teeth into this place, and you've committed uh, time, treasure, and talents to this place. So if you have attended here for more than five years, stand up. All right. If, if you have attended more than ten years, remain standing. Wow, that's awesome. If you have attended this church for more than 15 years, remain standing. More than 20 years. Wow, that's amazing. Since the beginning of time. (laughs) Let's give everybody a hand. If today's your first day, stand up. No, I'm just kidding. We'll make you do that. But wow, imagine the faithfulness in this room. Many of you have served in the parking lot. You've given financially to this mission to reach people who are far from God. Uh, You've served in the children's ministry, student ministry, just amazing the faithfulness that's represented in this room. Faithfulness. What's that mean? Faithfulness. We need more faithfulness in our lives, don't we? We need more faithfulness in this world. We need people who are true to their word. Their yes is their yes and their no is their no, right? They follow through on promises. How many of you are thankful for a God who is faithful even when we are faithless? And if you forget everything else I talk about today... Remember that, okay? God is faithful, even when we're faithless. God doesn't change. He is constant. He is reliable. He is trustworthy. No matter what difficulty or challenge we face, God is faithful. And in light of what happened yesterday in Texas and in Ohio, in light of what happened a couple months ago just down the road, man, we need some faithfulness, right? We need some stability. We need something and someone to trust in and place our faith in. Faithfulness, faithfulness. We need it because we live in a world of opportunism. But what's that? Opportunism means um, getting blown around by whichever way the wind's blowing, no matter, no matter what it represents, right? We kind of disregard our principle sometimes in order to go with what's trendy or what's popular, Opportunism, it's the grass is greener syndrome. We are non-committal. We're committed to something, we start something, but it takes true character to see it through to completion. The average stay in a marriage, the average stay in a job, every year goes down, it decreases. So what does it mean to be faithful in a world of unfaithfulness? What does it mean to have faith in a world of skepticism 
Opportunism and skepticism are both highly glorified in this culture. To have a true north, to have a universal, to have an absolute truth is, is kind of seen as a, a faux pas, right? Politically incorrect. If somebody were to say, um, uh, you know, I'm absolutely sure that there is no God. And your response would be, uh, are you absolutely sure of that, right? Somebody says, there's no absolute truth. And you say, are you absolutely sure of that? You just made an absolute statement, right? We need an absolute truth, don't we? We live in a culture where everything's relative. It feels good, it must be good. We need a true north, a north star. We need a foundation that is strong and sturdy no matter what. How easily we get persuaded by whichever way the wind's blowing. Which is interesting, because the word faithfulness means, uh, in the Greek, in the Greek the word is pistis, it means divine persuasion. I was studying this word this week, and I was just amazed. All my life, I, I did not know that this is really the heart, the root of the word faith, the word faithfulness. It means divine persuasion, being persuaded to trust God. Being persuaded to trust God. We've been persuaded so easily every day to trust in things that rot, that rust, things that are here today and gone tomorrow, in today and out tomorrow, things that are temporary. May we be easily persuaded by the love of God. Amen? Divine persuasion. Faith is the fruit of our trust in God. We cannot produce faith. We cannot tight grip the steering wheel enough. We cannot fill our heads with enough knowledge to just, all right, I've got, I've got to have more and more and more, more faith. Yes, read your Bible. Yes, be educated in who God is and what he's all about. But at the end of the day, faith is a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit produces the fruit of faith. We cannot produce it, no matter how hard we try. Faith is a product of the seeds that we plant every day. Remember, the decisions we make result in the person we're becoming. The decisions we make result in who we are and who we're becoming as a person. And we plant seeds of faith instead of seeds of fear. And we choose to live God's way instead of our way. And when that happens, man, we start seeing some of the fruit on our tree, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We all want that fruit. And God produces it. We are persuaded by a loving God to trust him. We're persuaded by his steadfast love. We are persuaded by his grace. And we can't help but trust in him, right? We can't help but have faith because he has saved us. We are won over by this gift, this gift of salvation. In 2002, in November, up in Michigan, I needed some divine persuasion to convince Lindsay to marry me. And so I was pursuing her and I was stalking her and like, following her home. It was just crazy, weird stuff. Um, I would drop off roses and love notes and I did all this crazy, wacky stuff because I was madly in love with this chick. And it culminated to this point where I was saving money and I had to get a ring 
Uh, and uh, I was ready to pull the trigger. That ring was burning a hole in every pocket uh, of th that I had. Um, and so one day, November 2002, we went on a walk in the woods, and I had my brother and his friend go ahead of us about a half hour. And I was so excited. I was like a little kid in a candy store. It's finally this moment. And we see this trail of candles leading into this clearing, and there was the sunset perfectly over the horizon. And there was a trail of candles leading to this clearing. There was a heart made out of sticks, which I would like to say that was my idea. Uh, but that was my brother's idea. Kudos to my brother, Will. A little love note there expressing my commitment to Lindsay, some hot chocolate. I got down on one knee and I asked her to be my wife. And miraculously, supernatural things happened. She said yes. So I had persuaded her, right? I had persuaded her to trust my commitment to her. And she made a commitment to me, and she had faith uh, in me, so to speak, uh, that I was going to commit uh, my life to loving her and, and just walking alongside her through thick and thin, through high and low. I had wooed her. I had won her over. I had persuaded her, right? In the same way, maybe in a better way, a greater way, God, through his love, has persuaded us, Right? If you are a follower of Christ, you say, yes, I have faith in God. Nothing you have produced. It is just a natural overflow of God's love for you. You've received his love. He has got down on one knee, and he has offered a gift to you. And you've said yes. So you live each day trusting in a God you can't see. You live each day Every choice, every decision, you have faith in him that he will provide for you and protect you and be there for you. Faith is being, being persuaded to trust in a loving God who has laid down his life for you. Homer Kent Jr. says this. He says, faith is the divinely given conviction of things unseen. Faith is the divinely given conviction of things unseen. By the way, there's no such thing as blind faith right? God has given us plenty of reason, plenty of evidence to believe in him. Yes, he's chosen not to reveal everything to us, right? Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. He's chosen not to reveal everything. Secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may follow all the words of the law. He's given us the sunset, He's given us the sunrise. He's given us the mountains and the ocean. He's made each of us fearfully and wonderfully plenty of evidence, right, to believe that God is real and that he loves us. But he hasn't revealed everything because you've got to have room for faith too, right? It's faith and reason together. No such thing as blind faith. And he has gifted to us this faith, he has given it to us. How are you stewarding the faith that God has given you? Do you recognize the faith that you have as a gift? Do you recognize the faith that you have as a gift? How are you stewarding that? Is it more of a private thing? Does anybody at your workplace know that you believe in God? That you've been persuaded to trust in God? Anybody in your neighborhood, anybody in your street, anybody in your family? How can they tell that you have 
an undying faith in your Creator and your Savior? Are you living in such a way to put God on display with your life? Where is the evidence in your life that you believe in God, that your faith is in Him? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul says, For by grace, everybody say by grace. Just checking to see if you're awake to this point. You've been saved through faith. Everybody say through faith. By grace, through faith. This is not on your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Just in case you're ready to boast about your faith. Just in case you're ready to boast about all the good things you've been doing. Keep doing good things, like we learned last week. You are good because God is good, so go do good. You're bad because you're sinful nature, but thankfully God is good, and because God is good, you are good, so go do good. Sound good? It is a gift of God. A lot of good people in this room, but being good isn't good enough, right? You can't earn your way to heaven because of all your good works. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Even Mother Teresa, even, even Billy Graham. All of sin falls short of, the, falls short of the glory of God. The foot of the cross is level. We are all equally in need of a Savior. It is a gift of God by grace through faith. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for giving me faith. I want to steward that faith well, how I love my wife, how I love my husband, how I love my neighbor, how I love my boss, my coworker, that uncle, that aunt, that frenemy <laughs> in my life. Faith is trusting in an unchanging God in an ever-changing world. Faith is trusting in an unchanging God in an ever-changing world. Back in Genesis, remember when or when, in Exodus, remember when Moses asked God what his name was? And God kind of left Moses hanging? Remember that time? Moses, Moses was like, hey, what's your name? Who should I tell Pharaoh, you know, who sent me? And tell me your name. And, and God said, I am. And Moses was just like, waiting, waiting, waiting. That didn't really clear it up. What God was saying was, I am who I am. I am everything. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I am everything. I am everything that's good and true and right and beautiful. How many have ever said, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. It's just the way it is. It is what it is. You're pretty much saying it's just the way it's going to be. It will never change. But in the same way, in a, in a greater way, God doesn't change. He is constant. He is who he is. His very essence is love. His very essence is grace. Forty-two times throughout the scriptures, we see God described as a rock. How many of you recently have hold a, held a rock in your hands? It's just firm. It's strong. It's unchanging. It's constant. It's steady. It's reliable. When I went to Israel a few years ago, I was able to see all these objects, like the water and the mountain and the hills and the valley. If you read, uh, read, read the Psalms, David describes God in a very tangible, concrete, physical way. 
That's the way the Easterners describe God. God is like a, he's like a mountain. He's like a river, right? Us Westerners, we describe God very conceptually. God is good. God is great. God's big, which is all true. But I love these tangible, concrete, physical ways of describing what God is like. God is like a rock. How many of you need something constant in your world? Because your world is always changing. It's ebbing and flowing. I know I need that. Faith is trusting in an unchanging God and an ever-changing world. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If you've been around church for a long time, you, that, that song comes into your head, right? Great is thy faithfulness. There's a reason why Troy sings and I don't. Um, you can't read that verse without singing that song. We'll actually sing it later. But we are not consumed because of God's great, steadfast, never-breaking, never-ending, never-stopping, always-and-forever love for us. His mercies are new every morning, clean slate, fresh start, new beginning. Because of his steadfast love for us, we are not consumed. We're not consumed by our worries we're not consumed by our stresses. We're not consumed by our fear. How many of you have fear in your life? How many of you have allowed your circumstances to consume you or control you? We serve a God who's unchanging. He's a rock. He's constant. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. We are not consumed, therefore, by the storms in our life. Because we have a rock, a firm foundation on which to build our life and our family upon. High school students, when you go back to school this fall, don't build your life on the shifting sands. Don't build your life on what people think of you. That changes every day. Build your life on what the God of the universe thinks of you. He's a God of love, and that's your identity. That doesn't change. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. They are new every morning. Before your feet hit the ground, soak up God's mercy. Soak up his grace in your life. Now I know that in a room this size, I say the word faithfulness. And it conjures up many emotions and feelings. Some of you would say, yes, God is faithful, God is good, but the reality is, Many of us have prayed for things. Many of us have expected some promises. Many of us have longed for some miracles in our lives, and we haven't seen it. And I've been there. I've shared before how we had those miscarriages. I've shared before how I had a speech impediment through middle school and high school, and I prayed that God would release me of that. Years ago, I was without a job for a number of months, and God, God, when, how, where, who, come on, God. I thought you were faithful. Guys, I, I, I just want to say it's okay. It's okay to have those thoughts, those doubts, those feelings, those emotions. I want to validate that today. It's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there. You know why? Because we serve a God who is faithful. We serve a God who throughout the Bible reminds us that any setback we have, we have a chance to look back and remember 
By the way, the whole Old Testament, if you could sum it up in one word, it's remember. Remember, remember what God has done and trust what God will do. So in that moment of doubt and fear, remember what God has already done, how he has been faithful, so you can trust him to be faithful in the present and in the future. We trust what God does. Listen to this. We trust what God does because we trust in who God is. You see that? We trust in what God does because we trust in who God is. You're expecting things to line up, for all the stars to be in line in your life. You've got an agenda, you've got a schedule, you've got a calendar. I know I ask God to do things by the weekend. I'm looking at my watch. He's looking at his master calendar. He sees the whole picture. He says, Heath, I know what's best for you. I'm your dad. Can you relate to that? God's timing is perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's right on time. God is faithful even when you can't see how the circumstances line up. You can trust what God is doing even though it doesn't make sense in the moment because you can trust who he is. That's the difference between somebody who just believes in God, that he exists, even the demons shudder and believe in God. How, how different are you than a demon? You not only believe in God, but you rest your life on him. And it impacts how you handle a storm. It impacts how you handle a difficult moment, a difficult season in your life. Be honest. It's okay if somebody asks you, oh, this is hard. This is difficult. I don't know. I'm kind of afraid. But, and as you read the Psalms, read about David. He's surrounded by Saul. The enemy's approaching God had promised him that he'd be king, and it took years and years and years, but, God, but David always said, but I believe in you, God. You are good. You are faithful. I trust you. You can struggle, but you can struggle well with life because you have a God who's faithful. You have a God who's with you. He's got your back. We trust what God does because we trust in who God is regardless of unmet expectations. May we not rest our faith on how we feel or how circumstances are lining up or not lining up. May we rest our faith on God's unchanging character and his love for us. 2 Timothy 2.13, Paul says, If we are faithless, meaning we do not believe and are untrue to him, he remains faithful, meaning he is true to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. His true character, his true essence, it's constant, it's reliable, it's unchanging. If we were to compare ourselves with this unchanging God, this faithful God, it, we would just pay on comparison. What this world desperately needs are stable Christians. Joyce Meyer said it best. She said, what this world desperately needs are stable Christians. Christians, Christians who, who not only start something, but they finish something. How many of us have started something and, you know, people have our back and they're praying for us, they're, they're, they're cheering us on, we've got full support, we're filled with emotion and excitement, have this mountaintop experience and we're just charging ahead and blazing the trail, we've started something, but then something happens, things don't go our way, and we kind of back off a little bit, we forget the original commitment we made and... We fail to proceed in faith. 
and we are consumed with fear. And we don't activate the miracle that God wants us to experience. We miss out on the miracle because we're consumed by our own fear and insecurities and what people think. We need stable Christians, stable followers of Christ to not only start something, but finish something. That takes true character and true faith. Jesus started something and he finished something, didn't he? His last three words on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. It is finished. What was finished? The work that his father had given him. John 17, he says, Father, I I have glorified you by completing the work that you had given me. What if we were able to say that at the end of our lives when we approach Jesus in heaven? God, I've been faithful with the work that you gave me. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Aren't we glad that Jesus finished what he started? Even Moses was in the wilderness for 14,000 days, 40 years. And the wilderness grew his faithfulness. How many of you are in a season of wilderness right now? In order to experience the plenty, you've got to experience the lack first. In order to experience the promise someday, you've got to go through the wilderness. But stay faithful, even in those small things. Stay faithful, stay faithful. Do the next right thing. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Stay faithful, do the next right thing. Don't compromise Spring Branch. Compromise is knowing what is right and just doing a little bit less than that. As Christians are really good at that, aren't we? It's knowing what's right, knowing what God wants us to do, but then just doing a little bit less than that because it feels more comfortable, it feels safer, more secure. I'm not going to go confront that person because that's difficult. wonder how they would receive that. I'm not going to give that much. I mean, I need to have X amount, you know, for some of the other things. You've got to pay for my house and my boat. Not that, you, not that you forget to take care of yourself and your family and your house, but at some point, you've got you to gotta surrender everything to God. Surrender everything to him. Don't hold anything back. Being a follower of Christ is being all in because we recognize the God who is all in for us. Are you holding something back? Are you compromising? Maybe you're not getting up earlier, sleeping in too long. Maybe you're late to church all the time, hence, hence. <laughs> One Sunday, it's excusable, two Sundays, maybe. Um, if you find a pattern in your life, find a pattern in your life over time, just like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shortchanging things. I'm compromising things. I'm just settling a little bit. I'm not being all in with God. What is that area for you where you've kind of lost a little bit of faith? You've been taking shortcuts. See, being faithful is doing the right thing over and 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 over again. Over and over and over and over again. Doing the right thing is doing, doing, being faithful is doing the right thing over and over and over and over and over over again. It's not doing something once and claiming victory. 
It's doing something over and over and over and over again. It's being consistent over time. Doing what God wants you to do. There's a, there's a scripture story about this, about this master who goes away for a period of time and he leaves his, his servants with some talents. One guy he gave five talents, one guy he gave two, one guy he gave one. And he came back after a period of time for a report. How'd you guys do? How far did you go? Did you compromise anything? Did you hold anything back? Did you jump in? Are you all in? And one guy said, I invested what you gave me, and I got ten more. Here you go. One guy who was given two, he doubled it. Four more. Here you go, master. I invested what you gave me. The other guy, the third guy, he buried that one talent. He didn't invest it. He didn't live his life to the fullest. He didn't live life with faith. He lived with fear. And as a result, he had nothing to give back to his master. And this is what the master said to those guys who invested, who lived by faith. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. How many of us want to hear our God say that to us? How many of you ever have heard God's whisper in your ear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. How many of us want those words from our father? We are missing out on the joy of our master if we're living in fear. If you find yourself ebbing and flowing, just moody, and you're depending on the circumstances for your happiness, you're missing out. Trust in God, he'll give you joy. And as you're faithful in the small things, he'll set you over many things. I had a mentor in college who asked me, Heath, how often do you lose your keys? I was like, why, do you have my keys? I just lost them. (laughs) He said, no. But he said, if you lose your keys a lot, it was really convicting. He he was playing hardball with me. I needed to hear it, though. It was a lesson. If if you've got to be faithful in the small things, in order to be faithful in the big things. And it was like, ooh, because I lost my keys from time to time. Be faithful in the small things, and God will give you more responsibility in the larger things. Moses was faithful in his whole household, and God set him over bigger things. Being faithful is doing the right thing, knowing what God desires, and doing it over and over and over and over again, and not compromising. And when we do that, we'll experience the joy of our master when I was uh, getting dropped off in college, my dad, who I never saw cry, he dropped me off in this sea of people, Calvin College up in Michigan. And I was, I was scared. I'm a, I, I was scared and just like, like, well, I don't know anybody. And my dad looked at me with the tears rolling down his cheeks, and he said, Heath, I love you. I am proud of you. Well done. I was like, wait a second. I haven't taken one class yet. He's like, well done, my son. I am proud of you. Whoa, wow, wow. All these thoughts that I had, you know, my, flooded my head, all this season of rebellion that I had through middle school and high school, but yet my, my dad was standing right there, and I was experiencing his joy, his pleasure in me. He's saying, I'm proud of you. How many of us need to hear that from our Heavenly Father? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. 
A couple weeks ago, I uh, managed to make my way to the gym, and I'm on, on the elliptical, and I'm just sweating and sweating and sweating and sweating, and I'm listening to that song we sang earlier by Bethel about the goodness of God and his faithfulness, how his goodness runs after us. And I don't know, if, I don't know about you if you've ever had those moments of just, they're just God moments, right? And you're just filled with emotion, you feel the Holy Spirit, you get those uh, goose pimples, you know, on your, uh, on your arms, and I started crying, I started bawling like a baby, I'm like on the, on the elliptical, just going, 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 thankfully I was covered in sweat, so nobody could tell that I was crying like a baby, but I was overwhelmed, I just, I just kept thinking, I was listening to that song, I kept thinking about God's faithfulness, all through the years, my whole life flashed before me, those years that I was addicted to myself, to what people thought of me, those years that I felt alone, those years where I lost my identity, those years where I hit rock bottom without a job, those years where we had our miscarriages and how God brought us to Virginia Beach and how he provided you as our family and how you wrapped your arms around us. So thankful. God has been faithful. But you know what? Even if none of that had ever happened, would I still be faithful? Would I still thank God? Because there are a lot of people living in lack instead of living in plenty. By the way, your faith in God should be satisfied with because his love for you, plain and simple. God's been faithful. And all you need, all you need is his love and his grace. Everything else is like icing on the cake, right? I pray that God will provide for you like you are praying. I pray, I pray that God, that you'll, you'll achieve your dreams. At the end of the day, all you need to be thankful for is his love for you. You know, there's a story uh, in, in Luke chapter 7. I'll just, uh, I'll just summarize it real quick. It's a story of, the story of this Roman centurion. And it's an emergency. It's an emergency. And he sends the Jewish elders to Jesus. And they're huffing and puffing out of breath. And they say, Jesus, 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 this Roman centurion who we greatly respect, his servant is dying and on his deathbed. He needs some help. He needs some help desperately. Come quick, Jesus, come quick. And Jesus dropped everything and was hightailing it to the Roman centurion's house. And as he approached the centurion's house, the, the elders came out again. They said that the centurion... Um, said that he, he doesn't feel worthy to have you under his roof. And, you know, but he said, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a man of great responsibility. I can tell people what to do and where to go. I'm a man of authority, just like you, Jesus. And so, Jesus, I know that by your word, you can, you can heal somebody. Just by your word, you, you, you can heal my servant. And sure enough, Jesus said a word, and the centurion's servant was healed. But look at this. Look at this moment. Verse 9, Luke chapter 7. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. He marveled at this Roman centurion, this Gentile. He wasn't even Jewish. He wasn't even a Pharisee. He wasn't even a disciple. He didn't have much on his spiritual resume. <laughs> he had plenty of reason to not believe in God, to not believe in Jesus. But he had this simple childlike trust 
in Jesus. And he marveled, he marveled at Jesus. And when Jesus heard these things, Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. This centurion's faith activated a miracle. Just like your faith can activate a miracle in your life. Jesus marveled at this Roman centurion's faith. The only time throughout all the Gospels that Jesus was amazed by someone's faith. Is Jesus amazed by your faith? When you walk into those halls of high school, when you walk into your workplace, when you walk into your neighborhood, when you've got plenty of reason to doubt, to be filled with fear, do you have faith? What if, what if God said, I have never seen such faith on Great Neck Road? Man, there's a lot of faith in that Spring, in that, in that spring Branch Community Church. I've never seen such faith before in that workplace, on that street, in that house, in that family. I've never seen such faith in that community. I've never seen such faith, ever seen such faith in what I see. Insert your name, where you live, where you work. What if God was amazed by your faith? How often we just are trying to impress other people and we're not trying to amaze God and experience his joy. It has nothing to do with salvation, right? Our salvation is secure. We are saved by grace through faith. We can rest in that. But every day we have a chance to amaze God by our faith, even in the face of fear. What if we... What if we had a God who marveled at our faith, who was amazed by our faith as a church, as a family? You know, each week we have an opportunity to hear from one of our own. So I'm going to invite Natalie Petrosky up here to share a few words about God's faithfulness in her life. Give it up for Natalie. <laughs> the last few weeks we've heard from a few of you about what each particular fruit means and um, it's just nice for me to stop talking, and we can hear from, um, from someone else. So uh, if you could just stick around for the next couple minutes. If you've got kids, they're in good hands. I saw a couple of you looking at your watches. I saw you. <laughs> I saw you looking at your watch. What better place to be than right here, right? You've got the whole day. Uh, Natalie, it's good to see you. Thanks for being willing to share uh, on faithfulness this morning. What's that mean to you? What's faithfulness mean? Uh, to me, I think if I was to sum it up in three words, um, it'd be love commitment, and community. Um, for me, I guess you would, the pinpoint for all of us is where faith really grows. This comes from a seed, fruit of the Spirit, and I really just really believe that there's, you probably all can think about a time in your life where you really understood what faith meant because you, you, you felt it from God, and for me, it was when I was um, in college. I, I grew up with God, and the church and everything gave Jesus my heart at 11 years old, but I felt like I really didn't understand and know the gravity of God's love until I went through some stuff in college, um, a few unfortunate trials that brought me to a really horrific car accident that um, I came out unscathed, not, not even a bruise basically, and I was standing on the corner alone by myself waiting for the paramedics, everybody to show up, just there was a moment of just quietness um, before it got all crazy, and I stood there, and it was that moment where I just... I submitted myself to God because my life felt like it was spinning out of control with all of these unfortunate events, and I just 
wept, I guess is the only way to say it, and I asked God, like, I understand this is, this is all in your hands, and I have to just trust in you, and at that moment, I, I'll never forget that I understood what love really meant, and what God's love was, and no matter how imperfect, because we all are, and no matter how many things that I do, he will unconditionally love me, and in order for any of us to really have faith and have trust, love is the center of it, and from that moment, I knew that God loved me all through and through for mm. until the day I die, wow. and it allowed me to trust him, to know that no matter what he wants for my life, mm. I'll have faith in him. Wow, that's amazing. Tell us about um, the challenge you had just, uh, just uh, I think it was last year, a year and a half ago, with your um, miscarriage. Yeah, so um, going with that, because of my faith, we've all, we're all going to have things that happen that are unfortunate in our lives because just like anything good in this world, there's bad to counter it. And I don't look at it as it's coming from God because it's not. I feel God uses all of our unfortunate events in our lives to show his grace to us and show his love for us. And, you know, I have three beautiful babies. Um, last year, last June, um, I had a miscarriage. And I, my, my husband and I, of course, we went through the, the trials of, of mourning and going through it. But at the end of the day, we both had such strong faith that we knew no matter what, that God has it and God loves us and God loves that baby and that's all that matters. And because that's all that matters, you can focus your, t your, commitment, your commitment to him and keep your eye focused on him, the, the true north, like you said earlier, um, because that, that's what he wants you to do and to really learn from it um, and grow in your faith. Wow. So, I mean, and now we have a 10-week-old baby. So <laughs> <laughs> He's starting to sleep through the night. <laughs> uh, He's so starting to sleep through the night? Yeah. That's good. Uh, just real quick, tell us uh, how this community, this Spring Branch family, and particularly your small group, has meant a lot to you. Well, for us, um, I've be, be, my husband and I are both in the military. Well, I was in the military, but he's military, so we're not from here. Um, our, we have huge families that we love and loves us, but we're not around them, so our family is in Christ, and I feel like no matter where you are, you can find a church that you can share that with, and that is your family, and we found our family here at Spring Branch, like, almost five years ago, mm. and I was part of Women of Faith, um, we have a small group, and that goes down to what I say about faith, your community, you can't do this life alone, and God never wants us to, um, and if, in order for you to have a strong faith, you're, you need other people to lean on, on their faith, when you aren't strong enough, because we aren't, wow. we're not strong all the time, and you have to you have to, or you're never going to fulfill what God mm. wants for you in your life if you don't lean on people, and that's what wow. a community in a church is. So. Wow, that's awesome. We need others, don't we? Yeah. Ch check out these pictures up here. Check them out. This was last year. There's Natalie getting baptized. There's Steve, her husband, who's in the Navy, and just, you know, this community's meant a lot to you because he's gone a lot. And, yeah, right now. So just want to encourage you uh, to get baptized. It's a, it's a public declaration of, of your faith. And maybe the next, uh, maybe next step of faith for you today uh, is to get baptized. Uh, Six o'clock tonight at the oceanfront. Natalie and Steve stepped out in faith last year. And uh, so just want to encourage you to do that today. Um, the very last thing I'll say is this. Make this your prayer right now and this week. Dear God, you've been so faithful to me. This week, I will be more faithful to you by fill in the blank. 
what nook or what cranny in your life, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's within parenting, maybe it's at your workplace, what is one next step for you today? What's one nook or cranny in your life where you have lost faith? Ask God to give you faith, more faith in that place. May we go from here today resting in God's love for us. May we be faithful maybe in some ways where we haven't been faithful. Thanks for coming today. Uh, make sure you sign up to get baptized if God's tugging on your heart. We'll have a little class up here in the front if you want to learn more about what that means. Tonight at 6 o'clock, 40th Street on the oceanfront, join us as we celebrate life change. And, uh, and many of us are making that step of faith. My son and my daughter will be getting baptized, uh, so we're really excited about that. So thanks for coming. Have a great week.